The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami, and this is Essential Conversations. Our guest today, Dr. Josefa Rangel, is a board-certified internist and fellowship-trained integrative medicine specialist. She received her medical degree from Stanford University School of Medicine, completed her residency in internal medicine at the University of California, San Francisco, and undertook fellowships at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the Andrew Weil Center for Integrative Medicine. And she's also recently completed training in medical advocacy. Most important for us, she is a regular contributor to Spirituality and Health magazine, and we're going to be talking about some of the essays that she's done for the magazine. Dr. Josefa Rangel, welcome to Essential Conversations. Thank you. So, given the many essays that you've written are published in Spirituality and Health magazine, there's plenty for us to talk about. But given the time constraint, I really wanted to start and, and focus most on the essay called Build Resilience Through Radical Self-Care. And I thought it'd be an important place to start, specifically given what people are going through with the two pandemics that I think we're experiencing, one being the uh, biological pandemic of uh, coronavirus, COVID-19, and the other being the epidemic of racism, which probably has a biological component, and I don't mean race. I mean, it probably impacts the body very deeply, as well as psychologically and sociologically. So given all of that, I thought this would be a great place to start. And the best way to do that is to have you unpack the term innate resilience, which is sort of at the heart of the article. Sure. Sure. Well, I practice a type of medicine that I call innate medicine. And this stems from my own knowing of the body's innate capacity to heal. And what I find missing in the conventional medical paradigm, and even to a large extent in the integrative functional worlds of medicine, where the emphasis is on external treatments, treatments that we take from the outside and and ingest or, or receive, where in innate medicine, it, it comes from within. It, it's our own medicine, our own birthright to our own 
inner healing and this ability to, to thrive and be resilient. So in terms of what is innate resilience, it's our birthright. It's, it's always operative. It's our life force. And it's something that we don't obtain. It's something that, that we have and we cultivate. So it seems like what you're talking about, if we were going to use Taoist terms, is chi, or in Hinduism, prana, or in Judaism, chiyut, aliveness. This is our very nature. So if that's true, if, if it's our birthright, like you said, how do we get sick? Yeah, sickness happens. Death happens. It's, it's part of the life cycle. And so instead of approaching it with, this is wrong, I got to get rid of it, it's approaching it as if it was a, a little child. It's like, oh, sweetie, what's wrong? Why aren't you well? Why aren't you thriving? Or, you know, the example I love from Thich Nhat Hanh is, if the cauliflower, the cabbage isn't thriving, we don't blame it. We don't like attack it. It's like, oh, what, what does it need? Like we come with curiosity and openness because we have our inner knowing that, that any living thing wants to thrive. And so that's the view that, that we take. And so illness isn't wrong. It's, it's just something that's happening and we respond with skillful means. So there's no judgment but it still happens. If, if our birthright is wellness, or is, is that not the case? Is our birthright just reality? Sometimes we're well and sometimes we're not. But if it's innate resilience, is there also an innate, I don't know, capacity for illness? There's innate vitality. And so it's not that we're always well or we're always healthy. Like this is where I find that mindset not helpful because people become these health zealots and trying to de like defend against disease at all at all times. So multiple causes and conditions go into to an illness manifesting, and then it's a matter of stepping back and, and understanding it, and then tending to the body. But if we come from a framework of knowing our birthright of thriving and flourishing, then we approach disease from a perspective of it's not so much inevitable or as again, as I keep saying wrong, it, it, it happens and it needs attention. Just like when a kid's having a tantrum, it's like, oh, what's going on? Let me, let me try to figure that out. So some of the things that could be going wrong are in a sense have nothing to do with the individual as an individual. Your environment is toxic. The air isn't clean. The water isn't healthy. The, the food you eat or the only food you have access to isn't good food. How do you deal with the environmental factors? Is, is it always about, okay, so what can I do for myself, by myself to get myself better? Or at some point, do we have to go, no, there's something societal here that the illness is socioeconomic, environmental. Where do those larger forces come into play if they do? They absolutely do come into play. And part of the innate medicine of holding our concept is that we understand our, our interconnection with all of life and, and of our community. And, and we don't thrive as isolated individuals. We thrive within a healthy, vibrant community. And so we take that framework from the water we drink, the air we breathe, the food we eat, the relationships we have, the people we surround ourselves with. So it all interplays. And at the same time, we don't hold ourselves as completely 
weak or without our own inner resilience or in our strength of spirit. So we can be in a setting where there might be a lot of air contamination, but we have other things in place that we can still, we're not taken down by it. We may need to rest more. We may, you know, we may need to be creative and find ways we can get cleaner air, but that we're not so weak or susceptible to when things aren't ideal. So, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, I've not spent so much time in India, for example, where when India went into its version of lockdown and they show you photographs of the Taj Mahal, which I've been to several times, and it's always, I mean, you don't even realize it, but it's always sort of in a fog of smog. And then because no one was driving their their trucks and all the rest of it, the air was cleaner and you could see the air was cleaner. It seems to me that that an innate medicine would also have an innate drive to marshal the power of a society to demand clean air, to demand clean water, to demand, you know, not to, to be locked into a food desert. Is there a public response to the things that are, that are contributing to illness that comes out of innate medicine? You know, what I, what I say often is we understand with, with this framework, we understand that, that we're not separate from the earth that how we care for our body is how we care for the earth. There's no separation. And in fact, I would go so far to say is that is the invitation and almost the missing piece because so many people do so much wonderful work in terms of activism, but the critical parts haven't come into place yet. And perhaps they're coming into place as we speak, but the, you know, the critical change element, but we need to rever and deeply care for our own embodiment. And when we do that, we care for our communities, we care for the earth, we, we don't see ourselves as separate. But instead of first trying to like take care of the planet, save the planet, like save our own precious embodiment that we were given to, to steward. So is there a place to start? To make the distinction between person and planet is, is somewhat arbitrary. You mentioned Thich Nhat Hanh. So you know, Thich Nhat Hanh's entire philosophy of interbeing is as Buddhism would teach in general, you don't exist if everything else doesn't exist. So we're all part of a singular process. For some reason, we don't see ourselves that way. We have this, what Albert Einstein called the optical delusion of separateness. But when we know ourselves to be, you know, an individual manifesting of the aliveness that is happening as the planet and, and the cosmos in general, then all the things that you're talking about the, those innate qualities, both psychological, physiological, environmental, communal, all those things, would naturally move toward resilience, toward healing, toward thriving, but they don't. So do you have any idea what keeps us blind to the fact of our interdependence? I think, I mean, I can speak from the perspective of, of medicine as a sure. medical doctor, but we've been educated from, from very young ages to depend on external authority and external source for wellness. And so when we reclaim this birthright of, of our wholeness, of our innate vitality, 
then everything's possible. But it's been kept from us, even though it's right here. And so when I work with patients, I'm, I'm inviting them back. I call it, you know, I invite them to come home to themselves, to the wisdom of their body and to their own deep knowing. And then it's a dialogue of, well, why do, you, why do you think you have this illness? What's going on in your life? Tell me the complexity of all of your life, as opposed to honing in on some small biochemical variable that we could manipulate with, with drugs or supplements. It's a very different concept. And so it empowers patients to take agency of their own life and to see their, their interconnection with, with all of life. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Well, along those lines, you have a, a very clever phrase. It's, it's catchy. I like it. Nurturance before nutrients or nurture, not nutrients, something like that. Nurturance, not nutrients, something like that. <laughs> now, it was clear in my head until I started talking. Uh, that is that, am I getting, am I remembering it right? Yeah, I think it might even be from a different article. Uh, it could be. But absolutely, how we nourish ourselves, how we receive true nourishment is very different than micronutrients. Because we can, we can focus on that and try to get them, you know, with our green juices or our kale salads. But unless there's loving attention either given to ourselves, where we're cooking and feeding and caretaking of our own embodiment, or receiving that from, from a loving caretaker, that has such a different impact on our, on our health and our longevity than the, you know, health food mindset. So... This makes me think of something that I saw on your website, and uh, if people are interested, and I'll mention it again at the end of the show, but the website is innatemedicine.com. <clears throat> there are several videos by Kane Carroll, and you know I, I, the ones I could do, I watched and I tried them, and he's using, well, the, the thing that, because I do this in Qigong practice, the, the tapping practice. You know, you know which one mm -hmm. I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because it's so simple. And like I said, it's part of my Qigong uh, daily practice. And, and there's something very powerful about it in the context of this idea of self-nurturing. Yeah, absolutely. This is where I felt all of my medical training from conventional to integrative, except the CDC, it fell short because at best it was preventative, but it wasn't about nourishing life and actually caretaking of the embodiment. 
And so when I learned these practices from Cain and, and this whole concept of self-cultivation, it was like, it was my eureka moment. And, and I'm thrilled to, to share these techniques with, with my patients and really guide them into developing their own self-cultivation practice. But that particular sequence, which is on my website, where I filmed Cain doing the tapping of the chest, this is right when COVID kind of came into our awareness and shelter and order places were, were enacted. And it's like, what can we communicate to people? What can they do from themselves? Because the big message was stay indoors. There's a threat outdoors. There's nothing you can do about it, pretty much. And that I didn't feel was an empowering message. There's so much you can do to, to foster one's innate resiliency. And so these tapping practices were just one of those. But like moving the chi within the lungs, we want to go against stagnation. And this was something that I felt that my patients could, could do daily and, and really be empowered both energetically um, and also from a lymphatic and blood, blood circulation perspective within their chest. Yeah, you know, rather than, than ask you to try to describe it, again, let me just suggest people go and take a look at innatemedicine.com and you can see Kane Carroll doing this. You can do it right along with him. It's short. It was, I don't know, five minutes maybe Correct. To, to get to get the whole thing. Um, and once you, I think once you get it once or twice, you got it. I mean, it's not not complicated, but it's really a very uh, powerful exercise with a lot of history behind it. If you go into the whole Chinese medicine field, so I, I, in the few minutes we have left, I want to switch gears altogether because I mentioned it, and I would be remiss if we don't pick it up at least a little bit your essay, Breaking the Cycle of Intergenerational Trauma. So I was looking at that and, you know, right away my mind goes to where my mind always goes, which is the Bible. And there's a section in the Bible where we're told that God inflicts the sins of the parents upon the children unto the fourth generation. And I'm wondering, as you describe intergenerational trauma to us, if you think maybe they understood this concept you know, 3,000 years ago when they were trying to articulate it in this Bible passage? Well, what I see again and again, and I've seen in my own life, is this cycle of trauma that doesn't get fully addressed in a one's particular lifetime. And those patterns end up getting passed down to the offspring. And if they don't get fully addressed, recognized, then they get passed down to the following offspring. And the cycle just keeps repeating itself, not in some like punitive fashion, but there's actually wisdom in that because those patterns are looking for resolution. And, and in order to get resolution, they just keep repeating. And if one can see the pattern, and it's often through crisis that one can actually see through this long, long history of just, this is just how things are, be it neglect or physical abuse or sexual trauma, but it just keeps repeating. And it's a cycle that I see with my patients that don't respond to any of these external treatments. And it's this understanding of there's deep-seated trauma and we have this opportunity in this particular lifetime to unpack it and to tend to it and heal. And when you do so, you 
you heal the past and you also heal the future legacy of that. So when I was thinking about it, it sounded like a kind of karmic idea or an idea of karma that I could accept, even though I don't accept reincarnation. So if you don't think of, of reincarnation in terms of I'm going to be reincarnated, my egoic self, and the karma is my personal karma. If you think of it as the pattern being reincarnated from generation to generation, then you discover, wait a minute, I'm living a pattern that I inherited maybe biologically and or psychologically, it's probably both to some extent, a pattern that I've inherited that I'm living out that whether I know it or not, maybe it's unconscious, I'm going to be passing it on to my children and they're going to pass it on to my grandchildren until somebody breaks the cycle. And if illness can be linked to that kind of karma, we can see not only, and this is a question, though I'm making it a statement, it, we can see, just like we, we talked about a moment ago, where the environment has impact on your wellness, this is a different kind of environment impacting your wellness, an environment coming from your... Inherited, say, yeah. Your inherited, right, exactly. So is that is that what you're saying? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's very powerful. And unfortunately, that's where we're going to have to leave it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. all these things are in the magazine. People can look them up. Uh, our guest today, Dr. Josefa Rangel, is a board-certified internist and fellowship-trained integrative medicine specialist and a regular contributor to Spirituality Health magazine. You can go on our website, spiritualityhealth.com. You can search her name. You'll find these essays and learn a lot more about what we were just talking about. And you can, and perhaps should, go on her website, innatemedicine.com and do some additional exploring. So Dr. Engel, thank you so much for talking with us on Essential Conversations. Thank you so much. It was a true pleasure. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is the bi-weekly podcast of Spirituality and Health magazine. If you like Essential Conversations, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show on your preferred podcast app. You can also follow me on Spirituality and Health's website, where I now write a regular column called Roadside Musings, and on my new podcast, Conversations on the Egg. And don't forget to subscribe to the print magazine as well. Essential Conversations is produced by Ezra Baker Truppiano, and our executive producer is Catherine Drury-Wagner. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.